Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my friend and lean in leader colleague, Nuala Murphy. Described by the Irish Times as one of the next generation of female business leaders in the North, Nuala Murphy is a multi-award winning professional marketer and entrepreneur and a community builder and connector by nature. As a marketer, she has worked with some of Northern Ireland's most successful companies internationally, selling and marketing products, services, and technology across many industries for over 15 years. Nula was out of the workplace for seven years before recently taking her current position, and we're going to talk about that. As president of the Lean In Network in Belfast, Nula has led and scaled the Lean In movement across Ireland over the past nearly eight years. As interim head of business at Diversity Mark, Nula is channeling her expertise, leadership, and passion into building a more equal and inclusive society, working with companies from all sectors across Ireland and the UK. Nula, welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Thank you, Carol. I'm so delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's really, I know it's fun for both of us to be sitting here and across the the airwaves and, and, and having this conversation. I want to know if we can start by asking you to tell us a bit about your career path and maybe the career path that led up to the point uh, where you took your career break and then a little bit about what happened during the career break. Yeah, absolutely, um, Carol. And I think it's it's all connected, you know. It took a while to work out the thread, but it's all connected. Um, so I started working after my degree. And at that stage, I, um, I'd spent a lot of time in my degree. So when I came back after graduating, I joined a graduate training program, like a lot of graduates do here um, in Northern Ireland. And part of that was to join um, a company. So when I went through the testing, you know, the personality testing, it told me because I'm good at communicating and good at talking with people um, and very much a people person that I would be well suited to industry and to commercials and sales. So I was placed with one of Northern Ireland's, one of their lead, our leading manufacturer companies to look at and drive their sales and export growth because I had my I had languages as part of my applied language and linguistics degree undergrad. And that journey led me to Paris, of all places, to open an office, oh, wow. run operations, um, mm-hmm. drive the European seals out of Paris. And like at 22, and I think back, when I reflect back on this, I took it all in my stride at the time. Mm-hmm. But And it's always really good to remember the stuff that you've done. So anyway, that's where my first kind of step in career started. I loved the export. I loved customers talking to them, explaining products, understanding their needs and wants and getting communicating that back to head office, negotiating sales, contracts, loved it all. And it took me to very so many wonderful places, selling sanitary bins to large healthcare organizations, Axminster carpet to big hotels, you know. Um, I also had the opportunity to be to start get finding my interest in technology and how that enabled, so how technology enables products to be above the rest when it comes to healthcare and hygiene. Also then when it came to the manufacturing process of Axminster Carpet, for example, I spent a lot of time in Ulster Carpets, um, understanding how technology helped them 
And then from there, I moved into healthcare, which is where I really found my home mm-hmm. for a good tranche of my career. So bringing automatic um, external defibrillators to the lay person in businesses, in community groups. And then from there, I went into software technology with a company called Total Mobile that was very much about, you know, workplace solutions for um, local government for and then bringing that product into healthcare. So again, how does technology solve the problems of the people that need it? And so that's where, uh, you know, my commercial experience, my export experience, a lot of um, my skills were harnessed and at the same time I really wanted to understand the science behind that so not just Mm. sales not just commercials but how could I enable more and be better for the customers and people that we served and and then that probably brought me up to a stage in my career where I was in a technology company I was doing great work when it came to healthcare and mobile working solutions and I also was afforded the opportunity to do some pro bono work with brain injury matters and also with addiction people with addiction and how they get access to help and information and that I think was a real pivotal moment for me because it inspired then my own entrepreneurial journey when I left the workplace and um, on my first maternity leave I returned to go back but then I knew there was just something not right for me and we can talk a bit more about that impact and how it led down one track with my volunteer experience with Lean In. But when I look at my career, how did it guide me on my entrepreneurial journey? It helped me understand how technology could ser- serve as an early intervention piece when it came to women having babies and identifying when they weren't well, when they weren't feeling right, where they could get help, how they could keep on top of their mental health mm. and also be part of a community. So that led me to my entrepreneurial journey, which was a wonderful experience, a really tough experience where I founded a, a company and a product that was focused on the early intervention to perinatal mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I had an idea. I took it from idea stage. I built the product with key stakeholders, designed the product with lived survivors, got everybody involved in that process to make sure that we were building a product that would help women and their families. And at the same time, I raised money in order to build that product. So I I got early stage investment to get it built and to get it launched and did some great work, you know, but I got to a certain stage when I couldn't scale it, which again inspired another project of mine further down the line and had to come to the decision to wrap that company up Mm. because I couldn't finance it going further. But what I take from that was I was able to help over 10,000 women, probably more understand where they were at, get help if they needed it, have the support and security to know that they weren't going mad, they were suffering Mm -hmm. from an illness and where they could get help. Mm -hmm. And the journey to there, the skills I learned through my commercial, through my selling carpets and selling sanitary bins and selling software products, helped me get that and have that experience. And then then, you know, the people I met in my entrepreneurial journey, well, wow, you know, that also has led to where I am today, which is at Diversity Mark, an independent awarding authority on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. So it all sounds very lovely, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, quite a journey, quite amazing. And with so many different components, and we'll talk Mm. about the the lean-in piece in a minute, because that was so um, substantial, such a huge... um, uh, body of work in itself. Um, 
but I also am interested in hearing how you describe the um, formation of your idea and how you how the company progressed, and then probably what was a very difficult decision to close the company. We do have relaunchers in our audience who have started entrepreneurial ventures and whose entrepreneurial ventures did not move forward and they had to close their um, ventures also. And a question that often comes up when we're having conversations with employers that run return to work programs is, would a quote, failed entrepreneurial venture um, be considered uh, as some negative experience as far as candidacy for a return to work program? And the answer is always the opposite. The, that um, what you learn from an entrepreneurial venture, even if you need to close it, is so significant and they really value that experience and feel that it can make you even more qualified uh, to when you relaunch your career. So um, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about that, having gone through that process yourself directly. Yeah. So. I mean, for the audience who are listening and those who have started and tried to succeed and realized, most likely on analysis, that mm -hmm. this isn't, you know, a startup journey is all about determining and defining a repeatable, scalable business model. So if you come to a stage, which is what I came to, with orders for a new solution, that this isn't repeatable, and it's if it's not repeatable, it's not scalable. So yes, I could prolong this journey for another six months, but that's not going to get me to where I wanted to get to and where I needed to get to for the product and the company to, to scale and grow and be a business then, a proper business. So when it comes to going back into the workplace, you know, what you've described there is is very similar to what I've had conversations around. Some people, some people, some organizations, some leaders may not see it as a positive thing, mm. but actually the majority of those who understand the learnings that individuals amass through starting a company, taking an, an idea from concept, working with key stakeholders to define that concept, you know, fundraising to bring a product together, describing a product, defining a product, giving the brief to developers, communications people, your small team, doing all of that with very little budget mm -hmm. for any amount of time is is incredible. It's a huge I see it as something as a huge um learning. Now I did get some feedback sometimes where people felt, oh, I think the pace of a business coming from an entrepreneurial journey into a big corporation might be difficult. How mm. would you manage that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did, how did you answer that question? When they, So they're questioning whether having been an entrepreneur and making some assumptions about entrepreneurs and how they like to work, they're saying, how can you transition into a corporate uh, environment after having that entrepreneurial experience? Can I ask you how you answered that question? So that question says more about the person asking it than it yes. does the person on the other side of the table. Yes. And for me, I think it's all about the flexibility and understanding the people you're working with, understanding the goals of the project that you have to deliver against or lead, and being able to pull examples of how you've had to do that with limited resource and limited budget. And 
um, so that's how I answered it. Mm-hmm. And that often was met with, okay. <laughs> because I think we have a, we, you know, we have an impression of an entrepreneur that they're living the life of Riley, as we say here. Mm-hmm. But actually, we don't all wear hoodies. We do get up very early. We dedicate 24-7 to the idea and the business plan and the team and the work that we're trying to do that we're probably one of the most driven type of candidate a big organization can get inside. You know, entrepreneur and intrapreneur, we know that big businesses now need diversity of thought. We know they need challenge and conversation. And that's, I think, where your audience and your the people in your, in your community who are on this journey, you need to own it and be yeah. confident. And you're not a failure. In fact, you've had an MBA without having to pay $50,000 to achieve it, you know? Right. And so there's always it's always about transferable skills. And it took me a while, Carol, though, to get there. Like, I yeah. didn't think like that from the start, you know? Let, let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, um, I love entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and sort of talking about how those skills can be very effective inside uh, a, a, comp- a more um, traditional corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the use of the word failure. I was actually quoting the relaunchers who ask us this question. They use the word failure. And it's sounding to me like you're saying that needs to be rebranded. And we don't talk about it as a failure. We use different language. And I'm wondering how you talked about the um, time when you had to make the decision to close the business. Yeah, so it was really tough. I was, it, I became pretty stressed. I felt that I was being scrappy with regards to um with regards to how I was looking at, I was looking short term, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, how am I going to get this over the line? How can I make this work? But equally, on one side of my head, I was telling myself, but Nula, an entrepreneurial journey, a startup journey is about defining a repeatable, scalable business model. It's not about success and failure for the first five years. Mm. It's a that is your only job. And if you don't do that, then it's then that's just mm-hmm. part of the process. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what we forget. We chase a lot of headlines. We chase a lot of what we think success looks like. Whereas if you look at the successful companies in the paper, in the news, and you know, across all the publications, they've been around for a long, long time. And um, it's always the overnight success, right? But right. technically, it takes about 10 years to get yeah, there. At least. So I, yeah. I think, you know, there's a role in how we talk about that. And I think it's also very much aligned with what do entrepreneurs look like? What do we see as an entrepreneur? And what those behaviors have been defined as. But now we're seeing more different entrepreneurs we're not seeing you know entrepreneurial journeys is a certain amount of privilege like you have to be able to take a break out of a career a break out of financial security and in order to do that you need to have backup plans or backup resources to make that happen so that is a privilege but we need to recognize that yes let me just comment on that I'm so glad you bring this up because uh I get most worried about relaunchers or or people who are working um, or relaunchers who are thinking about, I'm going to relaunch by uh, starting my own company. So people who are working, I'm always like, don't 
don't quit your main job. You know, do this, do this on the side for a while. And the relaunchers, I say, you know, what you're saying, be prepared for an extended period of time where you have no income coming in or it's even negative income. You have to invest. And you're right. It is a privilege to be able to be in a position to to launch a business uh, and to have enough um, financial security that you can ride through those early years when the uh, you're not having cash flow. So thank you, Carol. Yeah, it's really and I am very careful about how I communicate about this, because when I was starting to do it, I'd left the workplace that we that we'll maybe talk about later. But I was I started my own marketing firm. So I was consulting and marketing with businesses and the money I was earning there was some was going to bills, some was going to the early stages of my idea and my and at the same time applying for grant funding. And it came to the stage when I was getting it came to the stage when I was then getting an early um, chunk of money that I couldn't have a job. I had to invest all of my time in, which again is a bit of a an older way of thinking, reflecting. Maybe I could have done more and had a job, had the financial mm-hmm. safety and security there. But I was lucky, but not lucky. I managed it well at home that we knew that I needed to have a certain amount of money in the bank in order to be able to go off and do this until I was able to get a salary from it. Mm. And so it's really important to remember that it is if we don't hear enough of the backgrounds of the entrepreneurs. Yes. A lot. When you do a deep dive, you see that if it's if you, you see that they are either from they have the safety and security or they have networks with people who are connected to capital who can help them and you know it's that whole advocacy network access to finance access to capital that we don't see and Mm -hmm. so I think that we've got it's a I am very careful with how I talk about my journey it was a privilege I learned a lot I know and I'm very grateful that we could do it with regards to my background and and the support I have at home and through my wider family um but it's a big consideration. So my advice on that would be do what you can with as little as you have before you take the jump. And mm-hmm. that could be a couple of years. But if we look at success, success takes five to 10 years. So don't be yeah. rushing it, you know? It's exactly right. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's... Carol, you know yourself. I know, yes, I know firsthand. Um, you know, I want to sort of take this conversation and ask you to apply what you were describing in terms of building your um, entrepreneurial venture. And can you apply it to how you found Lean in Belfast? Because as you were going through all these stages, I thought that I bet this, a very similar skill set and process was used to, fi- to found Lean in Belfast. So I'm, I want to know yeah. if you can take us through that and the history. Yeah, absolutely. So if you remember, I talked about my journey and how I moved, you know, probably typically every three years, because in commercials and marketing, you kind of need to be moving in small businesses to keep going and keep fresh. When I got to one stage, it was the stage that I um, was starting a family. Mm. So I came up against um, I suppose I got married and then we didn't have children for a few years. We didn't want to have children. We weren't we were traveling, enjoying getting to know each other 
And I, so the bias I would have, everyone was kind of waiting for you to announce your pregnancy. And then when, you know, you don't announce your pregnancy, then they're starting to give you fertility cards, you know, maybe you need to talk to someone. And, you know, I say that lightheartedly, but that's the reality of it, right? Yeah. So when I finally was um, pregnant, I remember telling my boss and crying Mm. because I was so afraid that that was me and my career and my ambitions and aspirations over mm-hmm. because of because of the expectations or the judgments or what people thought I should be doing versus what I thought I wanted to. I'm one of five children. Both my parents are professionals. My mom worked in the, you know, when she had all of us, she was back to work within 12 weeks, similar, you know, you know, and that was nothing. Now we have much more indulgent maternities here in comparison to the U.S. So it was, why could I not have a career? Why could I not work and have a family and be ambitious? Mm -hmm. But the ambition was perceived as choosing ambition over family and children. Whereas for me, my children were, my family life was my business. So at the time, a friend gave me this book and said, I think you'll love this. And I thought, okay, you know, and I wouldn't be the biggest reader, Carol. I kind of keep, I'm a listener and I, I wouldn't be a big reader because I just don't have the time, but these type of books I do read. So she said, you'll love this. And it was lean in. Right. And I read it and I was really pregnant. And the first couple of pages talk about how Cheryl was ill and the parking and, you know, and I thought, oh my goodness, all of these things I've been experiencing, I've thought were on me, that I'm the problem. I shouldn't be ambitious. I shouldn't be wanting this, that, and the other. At the time, I wanted to do an MBA, and that's something and a goal I haven't achieved yet, but I shared that with you a few years ago. It's, it's still in the roadmap. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it said, start a circle. Mm. And I thought, wow, I'm going to start a circle. So I mentioned it. You know, I was really very often the only woman in the room. And I mentioned it to a somebody who was in a meeting with me and she said oh I'd love to be part of a circle Wait, let, so let's I, just let's just explain for the audience for a minute uh, a lean what a lean in circle is yeah so the lean in circle is a group of peers who come together to connect and share um, and support each other to achieve their goals and ambitions whatever they are okay mm-hmm. so I started a lean in Belfast circle because I didn't have an outside network I always worked in house and I kept my my kind of work life in work and my home life at home so this was a big stretch and I thought okay who am I going to invite and I met someone in a meeting and she said I'd love to be up for that she was also having a child somebody else who doesn't have children but was experiencing some of the themes that were expressed and lean in so we we planned our first meeting and I remember sending the email and being so nervous have I called this right am I inviting is, is anyone going to show up and four people did show up and from those four people, then the next time 10, then the next time 20. And the first wow. year we were we were underground, let's say. And then we started getting people at early to mid-stage career getting interested. And they worked for big companies. And they started inviting us and hosting sandwiches and coffees. And that's how it started. That's how it grew. And the rest is history, so to say. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about um, how big Lean In Belfast is now? Because uh, you started it in almost 10 years, like 2013 or something. Was that the right year? Yeah. So I read the book in 2013 and, and probably got the first comms out for the first circle meeting in 2013. Yes, that was really early. And I remember dealing, talking with HQ and telling them about what I was doing. And from there, the first year, so 
because my background is in marketing, I know pretty easily how it is to get news out there and, and, and what you need to do and the levers you need to pull. But we didn't want to do that. We wanted this to be a word of mouth. So people felt safe and secure to come and join and share. We operate, there's operating guidelines on the confidentiality, the safety that everybody can share openly. We did that for a year and then it got to 100 people and I was invited to be part of a regional leaders program. Yes. And from there, you got lots of support and resource. And then we started to build out. uh, You mean a lean in regional leaders program to support. Lean in in regional leaders program. Mm -hmm. So we got a Facebook page. We got on Twitter. People wanted to join us. We got a lot of shout outs for the stuff we'd done, you know, underground. And slowly but surely, um, lots of people started getting involved and We got a lot of interest from companies who wanted to support our efforts. We were self-organized. We were community leaders. um, And we were campaigning for gender equality in the workplace. But by default, we were also campaigning for any underrepresented voice to be heard. Mm -hmm. And that's what we set out to do. And then we ended up, um, I formed a leadership team in Belfast. And then that grew. I met Brida, who you know, Brida McCaig online, and we formed the Lean in Dublin chapter, and then across Ireland, I think there's well over three three thousand members now. Mm-hmm. There's, two, you know, there must be over two hundred leader circle leaders now, where everybody is just being enabled to start their own circle, build their peer support groups, support each other, achieve their goals, whatever they are, and then we come together regularly every year in big industry events. To and now actually we've all grown through our different roles and companies and orgs that it's a different dimension so we're handing back and passing back and advocating for others who are coming up the ranks and what an experience you know that's how we met and it it really helped me develop leadership skills that I didn't know I had Mm -hmm. which is where voluntary work can really help anybody wanting to relaunch a career um, especially if it's aligned with your purpose and your values and you create the boundaries around the time you dedicate to it. It's a really wonderful opportunity to do that. And I've I've been afforded opportunities that would never have been possible. You know, we did, we did meet, just to clarify for the audience, um, that Nula and I met at a Lean In Leaders conference that was run by the Lean In organization and, and, that we had been to um, several times uh, because uh, at iRelaunch, we worked on establishing the Lean In Return to Work community. Uh, and that so that's how we first met. But when you're talking about this process, it's so entrepreneurial. I, I mean, you, you, it, I, you, you were building something that didn't exist before and you built it to some, to some scale and it's operating at a whole different level now than you know the very modest beginnings when you first had that circle. So, so much of what you're talking about, the skill sets are the same kind of skill sets that people get paid for uh, to you know, to build something within an organization or or, uh, or on their own. So, very fascinating. And then I I also have a note here that you in 2020 you co-founded the Women's Investor Ready Project, and I want to know if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So again, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Having reflected on what I've done and the different projects I've worked in, I've always been inspired by some 
something that was missing. So Moment Health was a tool that was afforded to everyone for early intervention. Lean in Belfast was a network that was for women who were working and, and wanted support and peer support to achieve their goals. And the Women's Investor Ready Project was one that it's a, first of all, it was founded by myself and three other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, who are, were at different stages of an entrepreneurial journey. One was an exited founder, a hugely famous fake tan brand called Vida Liberata, Alison Hogg, wonderful woman. Grania Kelly is currently CEO of Bubble Bomb, an inflatable car seat company, so sells to everywhere in the world. Lisa wow. Strutt, who is a Harvard-affiliated executive coach, who have had many different entrepreneurial journeys, and myself. And we met at an event that was talking about entrepreneurship and women. And when you're working in the equality space and you're talking about gender equality, until women have a third of the global wealth, we're not going to have any equality, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, we know 2% of venture funding goes to women. That is the stat we are dealing with, 2% every year. And it's got worse since the pandemic. But regionally in Northern Ireland or in Ireland, there wasn't any data on a regional level. So we're always referring other other regions and because you're it's not your own region people don't really listen so Mm -hmm. the four of us entrepreneurs with different levels and expertise got together and said why don't we do it regionally here for a place that we love we know there's a lot of amazing women why don't we help the ecosystem Mm -hmm. with information with evidence to change you know it was a purely altruistic project that kept us all sane And so we did that. We surveyed women entrepreneurs, female founders. We understood their challenges. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of consistency with the global reports, but we had it locally and we had some anecdotal stories to support the data. And what we have found, Carol, with that is of the people we brought together in a truly collaborative sense, who maybe technically sometimes compete for funding in a small, small pond, everybody was like, we want to support you. We mm-hmm. want to be involved. They attended meetings. They brought their experience. But more than that is they talked about what we were trying to achieve. And we had the conversation. And so they were then informed. So in their day-to-day, they had information. Well, maybe we should think about this. And slowly but surely, we've seen different projects pop out out of some of the brilliant partners we have that they've used our data and our research in order to have the conversation. So for us, that was a huge win and that was a really it was a really great project to be on because it was just it um again was enabling through communication education some solutions and I kind of found my niche it's either getting something started off the ground operationalize it and then find solutions through collaboration yeah I find my journey I think I find my flow I just need to finesse it a bit maybe <laughs> right well I mean certainly there is a pattern there and 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 also a pattern of success it's really exciting you know I wanted Nula I want to talk about the role that you have now because in July um, you started working with diversity mark as the interim head of business and I want to know how did that happen how did you end up getting that role so again that is the power of your network Mm -hmm. the power of your volunteer experience and the power of you valuing that experience. So for me, this role was advertised. um, Christine White, the head of business, is on maternity leave for 14 months. And so that is long enough time to bring somebody in an interim capacity. 
So in my lean in circle that I'm part of, mm-hmm. the role was shared. And I saw it and this I saw it before I'd invested in myself for coaching. And I revisited it after. So before I discounted it because I don't have experience in that. I've mm-hmm. never worked in diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the salary scale that I would want. So I, that's not for me. And then I did some work and invested in myself. And the role came to me through another contact of somebody I'd met through Twerps. And have you considered this? Look at all your experience. Look at what you've done. This seems totally for you. Why would you not go for it? Mm-hmm. And post in, investing in my own um, coaching and deep diving into my values, my mission, what's important to me, it ticked every single box, Carol. Mm-hmm. And I applied. I sent my email, my cover letter, my CV, and I got an interview. And then I got the job. And you know, because it's a, when you're a community activist, like I was with Lean In, you're on the outside. You can get frustrated. You can get frustrated with the slowness of things changing, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is an entrepreneurial trait. When you're on the inside of an awarding body uh, and you see great companies doing great work, fantastic leaders, visionary leaders wanting to bring their culture on, wanting to be better then you're encouraged to see that change can happen. And it's about being in the right place to deploy your skills, experience and expertise to make it happen. And that's where I feel I am right now. So a lot of the work I did with Lean In, the data, the research, the trainings, the key stakeholder engagements, the big industry events where we were talking and hosting fireside chats and negotiating, you know, discussions around gender um, equality, equal pay, women in the workplace. I just feel right now that I have landed in a spot and had the chance to take a risk to work in an area that I've never worked before. But I have worked in it for eight years. I've just right. not been paid for it. Yeah, and this is right. the whole point of voluntary work. It, mm-hmm. So long it's aligned and it's with intention and you're it, it's in an area you want, I think that it is work and it is experience and it should be considered that. And I was very lucky in this role that it was. It actually was. I walked the walk. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid and it reminded me when I was a kid, I was part of a music school. And the leader, the head of that music school was a woman called Daphne Bell. And she said to me, I remember I joined when I was seven and she said, always have charity work on your CV. And I was seven, right? What does that mean? Then you're in secondary school or grammar school. Have you got any charity work? Are you doing any charity work? And fast forward to now, that's voluntary work. That's get extra skills as a volunteer that you that give you the experience and the opportunity and the access to networks and the access to knowledge and learning that you can bring into your role. And so I do feel very lucky that I have been afforded that opportunity in a volunteer role and that yeah. I'm able to work in that space. And still learn, still learn, learning every day. <laughs> yeah. And the idea that this job came from a more distant contact initially, it sounds like, but the the networking that sometimes people feel is so awkward and hard, your networking came naturally because it was a byproduct of all the volunteer work that you were doing. Yeah. 
So that's very significant. And also this idea of not downplaying, but almost the opposite, especially in a situation where you have a skill set or a functional area or an industry that is you're working as a volunteer that is directly relevant to the role that you're the paid role that you're applying for. So really powerful example there. Uh, Nula, thank you so much. And I have so much more to talk to you about, but we're coming to the end of our podcast recording time. So I wanted to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? First and foremost, you have value. And the best thing that you can do is to recognize your value. Because once you recognize it, other people will recognize it. And it's only through really doing that for myself that I can say that that, there's a light bulb moment and things change. So if you can recognize the value you have, you might have been out of work for a while. You might have had a so-called failed entrepreneurial journey or business. But what have you learned in that? And also go and revisit things that you've done. So Gearing up for today, I was thinking about what I did when I opened an office in Paris and I led sales functions and I took it in my stride. Mm-hmm. But we've all done stuff as our 22-year-old selves that we would probably shudder at now. So revisit your CV, revisit the projects and the people and ask for feedback, you know, but ultimately know your value and be kind to that value, you know, own it and things will start to change. and. You know, I just think that when we are more compassionate with ourselves, others will others will follow and opportunities will present themselves. That's fantastic advice. Uh, and I'm hoping everyone is listening really carefully to what you just said. Um, Nula, before we end, I want to know if you could please tell our audience how they can find out more about your work or be connected with you. Yeah, so from my work point of view, I think it would be really great to connect on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with relaunchers um, and the community, and it's Nula F. Murphy. So it's N-U-A-L-A-F Murphy. Some people say Nuala, which I think sounds very exotic. So, you know, it helps with the spelling. And also I'm on Instagram and that's a new platform for me and also Diversity Mark. So if you follow me on Instagram, um, then you'll see the links to Diversity Mark um, there. And also I'd love to connect and, and support and learn from you all, whatever, you know, that might look like. That's very generous of you. Nula, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. It's been a blast. Yes, same here. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. 